How is voting related to our faith? Find out on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs along with co-host Joe Kerr. And we have a special edition today as we are joined together by not one, but three leading voices on faith and society. First, we'll talk with Jason Gates, CEO of My Faith Votes. Jason, welcome to A View From The Wall. Thanks for having me. It's great. Well, we're glad to have you back. And Jason, for people who aren't aware, you left a successful career in strategic leadership and marketing in the corporate world to accept your role at My Faith Votes. The organization made a measurable impact on voter turnout in the 2016 elections, equipping and motivating Christians to think, pray, and vote. So as we begin our discussion today, take a moment to talk about the church and what's at stake for U.S. churches in 2020. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, over the years, there's been an attempt to slowly erode the voice of the church in the public square. One of the key measures uh, that was put into place in 1954 was the Johnson Amendment. It's a provision in the U.S. tax code that prohibits nonprofits, churches included, from endorsing or, or opposing specific candidates. And so, some would say that's not a big deal. Some would say that is a big deal. But what I think is the greatest harm of the Johnson Amendment is that churches and people in the pews have bought into this belief that churches should not engage in politics, that Christians should not engage in politics. And as a result, we've had more than 25 million Christians who sit on the sidelines and don't vote. And as a result, there's a lot of things happening that's further eroding the voice of the church in the public square. What would it look like if 25 million more Christians decided to vote and brought the influence of their faith to the polls? We would have leaders in our nation that would listen to us, that would hopefully align with us to preserve the moral fabric of our nation. So I look at it really as an opportunity as much as I look at it as a risk. In a year where the incumbent is still in office, obviously we've only had Democratic debates, so we don't want to frame it as only Democrats, but because of the debates, they have determined many of the issues of the year. What should Christians and Democrats and Republicans be aware of as far as the main issues this year? Well, it's really interesting looking at the top issues for Democrats and Republicans because they're not at all the same. Democrats are listing health care and gun policy and climate policy as their top issues. Meanwhile, Republicans are stating national security, immigration, and the economy and abortion as their top issues. And so these are strikingly different. Um, it's interesting that independents are the ones that keep everyone balanced because their top two issues are on the list of both Democrats and Republicans with health care and national security. So it does say something about the divide we have in our nation, um, a, a polarization that we all know is there. But 
here's what I find when you think about what Christians need to keep in mind. The issue of life is incredibly important to people of faith. And one of the things that's disheartening is every top Democratic candidate for president has uh, declared a pro-abortion stance. And in fact, two of the front runners out of the Iowa and New Hampshire primaries, um, Buttigieg and Sanders, have declared that there's little room or, as Sanders said, no room for pro-life Democrats in the party. On a similar and quick note, Democrats are leading with some legislation that also does not represent moderate views. Um, There's a bill right now in the new wave, it's called the New Wave Forward Act. It's about immigration, but it is opening up and really completely uh, re-engineering our immigration system. And I I think there's a lot of uh, people who would be more moderate in their views and really wonder if those are the best and most compassionate ways to deal with um, both our our current population and those wanting to come into the country. It's allowing uh, people with criminal records, et cetera, to come into our country. So there's a lot that I think, um, you know, some of the Democratic candidates and current legislators are views that they're holding that are probably viewed as more extreme um, and don't align a lot with the moderate views of a lot of the country. As we close out this segment with Jason Yates, we want to get right to the heart of this. Jason, when you were on Mike Huckabee's show, you said we want believers to pray, think about the issues from a biblical worldview and get informed about those issues and then vote from that biblical worldview. Those three steps, think, Pray, vote. Uh, those may be the simplest representation, but the most profound responsibility that Christians have in this election year. Give people the the how to of that. Yeah, think about it. Um, if if we all did those three things, if we prayed, prayed about our vote, prayed for our nation, for our leaders, really thought about the fact that in an election year the main thing we should be doing is submitting ourselves to God and asking him how we should consider what's before us on our ballots. Uh, if we would do that, if we would commit ourselves to thinking about the issues from a biblical worldview, really understanding how we as Christians should respond to the challenges we're facing, not from a partisan perspective, um, not from a political necessarily perspective, but from a perspective of what the Word of God says and how we are to act and behave. And then if we all are consistent to vote, um, to go to the polls and be informed about when our elections are and what's on our ballot. And you can do that from our website as well. We have a voting assistance center that can help you get registered to vote. It can send you reminders about voting. Uh, you can find a complete ballot, what's going to be on your ballot and who the candidates are. So all of those things are there. If we all commit to that, I think we can trust God for the outcome. If we pray for our elections, if we think biblically about the issues, and if we go to the polls, commit to going to the polls, then I think we will please God regardless of how we vote. 
Well, Jason, you've articulated this very well. And for those who are joining us today, if you go to myfaithvotes.org, you can find out some more about this information as well as a place there where you can pledge to vote. Join the movement of Christians who refuse to sit on the sidelines to not be one of those 25 million who do not vote on election day, but to get involved and to participate and to let your values be heard. And that's myfaithvotes.org. And Jason, thanks so much for joining us today on A View from the Wall. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, we'll be right back with our next guest right after this break on A View from the Wall. Stick with us. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Reading warning labels can be entertaining. A TV remote control warning label read, Not dishwasher safe. The warning label on an iron read, Never press clothes when on the body. You know those warning labels came about because at some point, some person, probably a male, thought it would be a good idea to save time and iron his clothes when they were on, or clean a TV remote by putting it in the dishwasher. Humans seem to need warnings. The wise heed warnings. Hundreds of practical and prophetic warnings can be found in Scripture. They are provided to ensure our protection and prepare us for the future. I encourage you to take advantage of free I Am A Watchman resources to grow in the Word and become more aware of the prophecies that warn of what is to come. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We're talking with Tim Barton, the president of Wall Builders, a national pro-family organization that represents America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our religious, moral, and constitutional heritage. Wall Builders has been recognized from coast to coast for its work in education, history, law, and public policy. We appreciate you being with us today, Tim. Hey, the pleasure to be with you guys. Yes, well, as we're talking about the importance of getting involved in the voting process as Christians, we look back at three years of the Trump administration, and a lot has happened. What do you take away as a perspective of what you would call positives or perhaps advancements for Christians in the church? That's a really good question. I think there's a lot of major things um, as, as far as Christian advancements, certainly not the least of which is a lot of the constitutional judges that has appointed to, to various courts. One of the reasons it's important to have constitutional judges is because constitutionally we're supposed to protect religious liberty, and this is something that specifically will impact Christians, and and relative to all Americans, right? It's important to everybody. But as Christians, so often we see the oppression or suppression of our faith in various outlets and avenues, with kids in public school and um, Christians in the military in various places, and have a president that's saying, no, religious liberty is important to me, and that he appoints judges that uphold that it's huge, Things that would make a difference for us in the, in the legislation that is upheld, which is what the court does, right? Say if something's legal or not. Right. And that impacts policy and how we live life. And so by voting for this next president, we literally could be making a vote for whether or not abortion gets overturned in America. We could see the end of Roe versus Wade in this next four years or maybe eight years, but it could be because of the justices that are appointed in this next four-year term by the next president. And certainly we would love to see this abomination of abortion ended in our nation. You know, as a Christian, I believe in, in what the Bible talks about in Genesis, where God makes a covenant with Abraham, and, and he says, I will make a nation out of you, and I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And so, right, that's one of the reasons we believe Israel is a big deal. And right. so many presidents have said that they support Israel. In fact, many presidents said that they're going to move 
the embassy to Jerusalem, and they're going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and and nobody has followed through on that until President Trump. And so I, I could go down a list of several things that I think even the Christian is so important and impressive to me, um, the way that he stands up for life, um, right? We mentioned religious liberty in Israel. Those three things are huge in my book. And even though certainly we don't agree with President Trump on everything he does, certainly not everything he tweets, um, nonetheless, when it comes to policy, there's been some really positive things for advancing biblical principles and certainly for Christians under President Trump. When we talk about economic policy, you mentioned that. And as we look at this year's parties, it's never been more clear divide between the two. It's pretty much come down to socialism versus capitalism. What is the historical viewpoint on that in both America and the Bible? Yeah, and, and you're right. We've not seen such a clear divide between different political parties on this. Um, it's pretty crazy where now the Democrats have, have really supported socialism when just a couple of years ago, right, the, the, the official position was, no, socialism is crazy. We're not going to do that. And, and certainly historically, one of the easy examples to point to is Plymouth. When the pilgrims first arrived in Plymouth, they, they were largely a, a Christian church who was coming to the new world. And the idea was, let's just be a community, a family together, and we'll share everything. And it sounded wonderful and glorious. And the problem was, and Governor Bradford points this out, is that people began faking sickness and injury, and, and, and they weren't productive. And, and what they found is when people aren't working and, and aren't giving into the system, and they're only taking from the system, then it was incredibly unsuccessful, and it was a massive failure. Now, I would tell you as a Christian, this is where we recognize the depravity of man and the laziness, right, that is inclined, where we just want to feel and do what we want to feel and do, and the laziness is a part of that. And so the pilgrim said, we need to switch this. Governor Bradford said, we're going to individual responsibility, where everybody now, your family gets a little plot of land, and if your family wants to grow crops, then you'll have crop seed. If you don't, it's, it's on you. But when they shifted to individual responsibility, which is certainly the way the Bible indicates these kind of things, that, that God certainly promotes individual responsibility. When the pilgrims did that, not only did they survive, they became one of the most successful and productive colonies in the entire English system in just a matter of a couple of years. Now, biblically, certainly the Bible teaches that, that God looks at us on an individual level, and even though we're supposed to share and, and, and help those in need, socialism is not about sharing and helping those in need as much as it is a government controlling the means of production. And it's government controlling and dictating, right? One of the things that when we read the Bible, we are called by God to be generous people, to care for those in need, but that's an individual choice we make. And this is where, even if you look at salvation, God doesn't judge families based on right how good the family did as a whole. No, salvation is an individual level. God looks individually at people. And so we could say we ought to increase the moral standing that we are more moral and we do more things to help people, but that's different than government controlling the means of production, government controlling private property. That's what socialism does. It removes really the, not just, I was going to say the free market, which it does remove the free market, but it removes um, levels of entrepreneurship. It removes levels of private property. It removes levels of production and gives those to the government. And historically, no nation has ever embraced socialism and become more free or more economically prosperous. It goes the exact opposite direction every single time. Every time a nation embraces socialism, they lose freedom and they become poor. Venezuela is a perfect example because just 20 years ago, Venezuela was one of the wealthiest nations in the world. 
their nation was doing so good within 20 years of embracing socialism. All of a sudden now, people are starving to death all over the nation of Venezuela because socialism does not work. Tim, many of our listeners are watchmen and women who interpret current events in light of Bible prophecy regarding the 2020 elections. What is their message for their church or family or friends or circle of influence? I have a really important question as Christians. How, how do we navigate? How do we examine where we are right now? And I, I think there's several things that, that the Bible gives us some, some good indication for, right? I mean, I think everybody knows Chronicles 7.14, that if my people who are called by my name, right, as Christians, if we get involved, if we will turn to God, repent of our sin, right, we can make a difference. But I will even go further, and a, a lot of people are, are turned off just looking at the, the different candidates, and I don't like really either one, or right, neither one seems to be really moral or biblical. But one of the things I would encourage is, is what God told Jeremiah when Jeremiah was taken into captivity and said, pray for the peace of the land in which you are living. When it goes well with the land, it goes well with you. And it's Christians. One of the reasons we should get involved isn't because our nation's perfect. Actually, it's because our nation's not perfect we should get involved. This is why Jeremiah was told to pray for the land. You're living as a slave in this land, but pray for it. Because when it does better, you will do better. And this is where as Christians, if we get involved in the process, we can help vote for biblical, for Christian, for righteous values. And when we as a nation start embracing those things, our nation will do better. And that will help us and our families do better. Well, we've been talking with Tim Barton, president of Wall Builders, and we appreciate you being with us today. It was a pleasure, guys. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more here on A View From The Wall. A View from the Wall comes from I Am a Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose, and at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well, so that they can finish well. The prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes he will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am A Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, IamAWatchman.com. That's IamAWatchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We are here with our next guest in our special edition today, talking about voting and the importance of Christians to be involved in these matters today. And we're talking now with Brandon Holthouse, who is senior pastor of Rock Harbor Church in Bakersfield, California. Now, he has pastored this church and focused very much on Bible prophecy and is concerned with current issues today. He's an expert in not only prophecy, but also apologetics, Jewish culture, and biblical worldview. He holds a political science degree from Columbia and a Master of Divinity degree from Liberty University. Brandon, thanks for joining us today on A View from the Wall. Hey, thank you for having me. We want to start today with the definition of what Christian worldview polemics means, uh, because it applies to today's discussion. Tell us a little bit about how our Christian worldview should direct our actions in an election year. 
Well, the, the primary scripture I would use for a Christian worldview polemic, which polemics means basically the art and science of practicing and engaging in controversial debate and dispute, we get this from 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, where Paul says, For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and then bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what we see in our Christian worldview is we're to engage in polemics, which means that I'm not only going to give a defense for the faith, I'm also going to go on the offensive by debate or dispute, by deconstructing other ungodly and rival worldviews, or any, any rival view that contradicts what the Bible is saying. And that means that we're going to have conflict. We're going to have disagreement, uh, because there's no neutrality in this. Uh, Christian worldview is exclusive, that, so that automatically means we're going to have conflict. And it's comprehensive. So I'm going to have to be able to cast down arguments for wrong ideas about economy, wrong ideas about government, wrong ideas about sexuality, and so forth. So that's how I would define it and, and derive it from Second Corinthians 10. There are so many issues, Jason, in this year's election. Uh, obviously, because there is no Republican debate, the Democratic Party has defined many of the issues that we're talking about nowadays. But with socialism, universal health care, abortion, global economics, all of that, there's just so much on the line. We believe the Bible is our final authority, and you teach that as well. Where do we find answers to those questions and those issues in the Bible? Well, Every Christian needs to know in depth Genesis 1 through 11. That is the foundation not only for the Bible, but for a Christian worldview. Because in there, it establishes the Creator, where we came from, how a society is to be constructed with a family unit based on a marriage between a man and a woman. It promotes the sanctity of life. It promotes uh, local authority rather than global authority. It, it will promote the idea of how we are to view humans and why they sin. And you know, like today, for instance, people say they blame poor economics on why people commit crimes. But the Bible would say, no, it's because of their sin nature is why they're doing it. And it, it shows us that God wants individual nations, for instance, like with the Tower of Babel, he did not want them clumping up together and form a one world government. He wanted individual nations. Then if you move down into how do we understand law, how do we understand our legal system? Well, you look no further than the legal system that God gave Israel. Yes, we're not under the Mosaic law, but nonetheless, we derive our principles and our rights from that. For instance, when you look at the Ten Commandments, you see that the commandments are in the negative, which means thou shall not steal, thou shall not commit uh, murder. Those are all negative because where our founders realize is that God had given those rights to us. They're inalienable. And therefore, those are the rights we have from God. What's happening now in our current society is people are uh, positioning themselves with positive rights. You have a right to health care, you'll hear from Bernie Sanders. You have a right to uh, education, free college education. And then you have to go back to the Bible and say, where in the Bible does it give us the right for education and the right for health care? It doesn't exist. Therefore, that's the debate we're having, even with these people who are pushing positive rights. And so the last 
area I would turn people to is prophecy. And this is the other big area that people need to be aware of. Prophecy tells us where the society is going, where the world is going. And what it does, it outlines things we should avoid. For instance, prophecy tells us that one day there will be a one-world government. Prophecy tells us there's going to be a one-world economy, a one-world religion. Just because it says that doesn't mean I, I just let it happen. I have to fight against that. I have to oppose globalism. I have to oppose uh, them wanting to uh, be under the head of the UN, or, or for instance. So prophecy tells me what to look for and how to oppose that in our polemic. I love that perspective that even though we know the things that will happen in the future according to Bible prophecy, we still have an obligation and a responsibility to do something now to stand against evil in our society and to do what's right according to God's Word. And as we talked to Jason Yates, he mentioned that according to statistics, 25 million Christians who are registered to vote won't vote in the upcoming presidential election. We only have a couple of minutes left. Take a moment to tell us why it's important that we get involved in voting this year and what's at stake in this election. Well, I think more than anything in this election, what's at stake is not the difference between Democrat and Republican. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about right and wrong. We're talking about a ungodly worldview versus a Judeo-Christian worldview. We're talking about communism versus free market capitalism and our constitution. And so that being the case, that's what's at stake. When you look at the democratic platform, a lot of them are globalists. They don't like America. They want to change America from its Judeo-Christian background. So that's what's at stake. And so I am encouraging my people to be very active, to be involved in elections, calling representatives. And even last night, I had somebody from the John Birch Society tell us how to get involved in politics, uh, of putting pressure on people, uh, making phone calls, and starting relationships with our representatives to tell them, look, we're not going to take this, and we need you to reevaluate what you're voting on, how you're voting, you know, what issues you're voting for. And so we're wanting to get our congregation more involved than ever. I'll give you an example. I was talking to Phil Haney about this. And um, many people can't figure out why Ilhan Omar got elected in Minnesota. They think it's because of the Muslim vote. It's true. A lot of Muslims did vote for her. But there was still an element of conservative Muslims that didn't vote for her. Well, then what pushed her over the edge to be elected? Well, Bill Haney was involved in that, and he told me, he goes, this is what happened. There was 1.2 million base of voters in that area. 500,000 registered voters did not vote. And he said if only 20% of them or even 10% of them would have went to the polls and voted, Ilhan Omar would have never got in there. Well, that's a great perspective, and I like your attitude of not only praying, but investigating what the candidates believe, acting upon it according to our biblical worldview, and not only voting, but getting involved in the political process. We hope you've been encouraged by today's program. I encourage you to find out more at IamAWatchman.com and subscribe to our email for all the latest. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube or our podcast on SoundCloud.com. Thanks again, and join us next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth 
sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.